Welcome to another edition of the Loud Outs Podcast. CJ Nikowski and Ryan Spielborgs and another fun-filled day of baseball that we want to get into right away. Although it wasn't fun for the Rangers yesterday dropping that first game to the New York Yankees, but that'll be part of our story here uh, in a little bit. But we want to start with Shohei Otani because why wouldn't we want to start with Shohei Otani doing more incredible things uh, yesterday, almost a shot at some really fun history. He fell a little bit short, Spilly, but it was fun nonetheless. And that's the cool thing about Shohei Otani. You never know what he's going to do and what he's going to do more often than not is something that nobody else has ever done. Uh, Shohei Otani yesterday uh, in his start against the Angels, excuse me, for the Angels, his start against the Oakland A's was pretty fantastic, despite a little one bump in the road. Uh, but what a wild game between these two and almost some more history from Shohei Otani. Well, I mean, uh, it, it's kind of captured when you hear Tyler Nevin. He's saying it's, you know, the first inning, uh, Otani had a base hit. Then the next inning, next at bat, he had a double. Um, he was on pace to get the 15th natural cycle in uh, mm. in Major League history. And I believe the last one to do it was Gary Matthews Jr. He did it with the Rangers um, a bunch of years ago, back in 2006. So that's kind of cool when you consider, you know, like, hey, Otani's about to, to do a natural cycle. Oh, wait, who's the starting pitcher? <laughs> oh, it's Shohei Otani. <laughs> what the hell? And And so Nevin was saying he was perfect through the first three innings. He was perfect. Mm. And so you could kind of picture... As Nevin's watching this game, and and this is, and even Otani said it, even though he, um, he got he got beat up a, a little bit in the fourth inning, he said it's the best he's felt, best mm. he's felt. So he's he's out there running around, single, double. He's he has a perfect game going. Could you imagine what that would have even looked like? No, if he if he had a perfect game with a natural cycle, like Dude. obviously. <laughs> the world, the baseball world would have exploded. We actually might as well just go ahead and shut it down at that point. Hey, we had got that actually happened. Like that's it. Baseball's done. There's nothing else that can be better than what we just saw. He did ground out in his third uh, at bat and then hit the triple. So we had a, tr- no, so, you know, I get it. He, he let up five runs in that fourth inning. One inning got away from him. He still there's went some balls six. in the sun that could have got, there's, there's yeah. one, the, the home run to right field. I know uh day games at, at Anaheim, it gets warm. The ball will travel out. Mm. But I mean, there's a fly ball to right. I think it was Taylor Ward was in right field, or it might have been Hunter Renfro. They all look the same now. All Angels <laughs> outfielders look exactly the same. Uh, and I, I was watching it, and you know, you see like an outfielder has his his hand trying to cover it in the sun. Mm. That was a robbable homer. That was an out. That was a robbable homer. So, anyways, I, I like, love it. I, listen, you sound like a pitcher now that there's a ball that went over the fence that probably shouldn't have gone over the fence. I love it. Yeah. Probable Homer is a real thing uh, for sure, but it didn't happen. But of course, with Shohei Otani, once he's out of the game as a pitcher, he gets to stay in as a designated hitter. And so that's what gave him that shot, even for the cycle. It wasn't going to be the natural cycle, uh, but an opportunity for a cycle in his last at bat. And he hit a pretty deep fly ball. And Wayne Randazzo was on the call for the Angels. And he got pretty excited. He thought it was gone. He started going into uh, his whole historic bit and what this is going to mean for the game ended up being a fly out to the track. And so uh, we had to slow our roll just a little bit there, but it was fun. The (laughs) moment was big. And uh, it almost happened for Shohei Otani, uh, but it didn't spilly, but he continues to amaze us with all he does on a baseball field. I, I, I'm trying to find the stat and the stat, you know, for, for people around the water cooler or enjoying our podcast and how we come up with stats that may or may not make you sound smart and whether they're accurate, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, I want to say the batting average against Otani in the last, was it 20 starts is below 160. Uh, which is historical. 
<laughs> so like again, like you might say, oh, this guy's you know kind of. I, I think we're beyond where the gas bags of the national media have been saying, oh, who cares? You know, this guy pitches and hits. Now he doesn't just pitch and mm-hmm. hit. He pitches and hits at an elite level, like we've been telling you for years. Yeah. And, you know, in the case of, well, you know, why well, we just hand him an MVP every year he plays. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what? Like, why, why are we arguing against it? He is doing historical things and how he's pitching He's touching 101. Hmm. He's throwing sliders. He's throwing sweepers. He's throwing fishes and rosin say sweeper. How <laughs> dare you say sweeper? He's just, I mean, he is, he's capable of doing, he's capable of doing things on the baseball field that I think as we watch it, we take it for granted. And that's something hmm. that, you know, we, I've, you and I, we've talked about this for, for, for quite some time. And I didn't want anybody to have Otani fatigue, but I mean, like, to stop and smell the Otani is real. You know, like you're watching a game yesterday and there's a realistic chance. It's not just hyperbole. It's not just, Oh, like maybe no, this guy actually could throw a perfect game and could hit for the cycle in a game. Mm. He could actually do that. You cannot say that about anybody. No one ever in the history of baseball. You can't say that one person has a chance to do that. Nobody can. Nobody has that skill set but Shohei Otani. It's been incredible to watch. From the pitching side for him, Spilly, um, he's been dominant. 1.85 ERA so far in his six starts. He's 4-0 over that time. Strikeout rate is at 35%, the highest that we have seen from him. Now, the walk rate is a little bit high this year so far in his 34 innings. Um, take that for what it's worth. Really low exit velocity, uh, a batting average against. I know you mentioned maybe his last 20. How about just this year alone in his six starts? 102 opposing hitters are batting 102 against Shohei Otani. We know batting average in general has been down in baseball and the game has changed a little bit, but that is to be admired. A couple of home runs allowed for him. Uh, And he's had a, you know, I mean, again, the strikeout rate continues to improve without giving up something along the way outside of the walks. Right. So maybe that's the exchange here a little bit is that, yeah, the walks are not where you want them to be. 13% walk rate. He's always been around 8%, right around league average, maybe a little bit better uh, for him over these last couple of years. Uh, but now here he is um, with a ridiculous little batting average. And so a little bit of a trade-off there, but the OPS difference there is incredible um, for him. 445 is the OPS against him. He's right around 600 for his career. Now it's only six starts into the season because that's the one thing I feel like eventually will tail off. I don't think it's going to be the offense. If, if one of it, part of his skill set, is going to trail a little bit over the other over time. I feel like it'll be the pitching, right? And I could be sure. wrong, but that's just yeah. kind of my no, guess. I think it you're feels right. like that's probably the thing. And we'll continue to watch him slug uh, if he chooses to do so uh, into his upper thirties. We'll see what this contract looks like potentially um, this off season, but that's the one area where I feel like that would start to slow down. Not yet. Billy. It is not slowing down yet. Uh, these numbers are pretty eye popping. What's he, do- what he's doing on the mound right now. I mean, how funny he's leading the American league at strikeouts hit by pitches, wild pitches and hits per nine, which is crazy. Also he's four and oh with a perfect uh, win loss record. So, <laughs> I mean, like the, the numbers are, are kind of funny. I like 2.9 hits per nine. Like they, if you get a hit off him, you're like, yeah, man, I got a hit off Otani. It's a hit uh, every I, three innings. That's it. Isn't that crazy? That's Nonsense. crazy. That's not like, like, like that's, that's like, and, and then again, you go, okay, so that's what he's doing pitching. And you're like, oh, it's, it's a novelty. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he has an 868 OPS. A 137 OPS plus. 
He's got six tanks already, 17 RBIs. He's like in the top 15 uh, in the American League. He's done it in 100 at-bats. Like, come on, man. That's cool. That's cool, right? I mean, like, oh, it's that's cool. cool, right? Right? I mean, it's just, to me, it's it's fun to see it. It is, and perhaps on his way to another MVP. We're not even through the month of April, but it's feeling like this could be Shohei Otani's uh, award to lose uh, based on what's going on on both sides of the ball. Uh, for him, it was a 9-8 final, by the way, for the uh, Angels winning that game, hanging on, um, and a pretty wild one. It should be 8-7 to final. The next game we're going to move on to, or at least our next story, uh, is the New York Mets. They did win 9-8 uh, to and just barely avoided getting swept by the Washington Nationals, which I think would have sent some absolute panic uh, into Queens. Not that it takes much to get those Mets fans going, because they have a lot going on right now, and not necessarily a lot of good things going on right now. Joey Lucchese made the start uh, yesterday. It was Trevor Williams on the other side for the Washington Nationals, and Lucchese was good. Good enough. Five and a third, he gave up three, but it was the bullpen actually that started to fall apart and looked like that was going to be the problem uh, for the New York Mets, but uh, it was also the Nationals bullpen uh, that struggled here and gave it up a little bit, but there was some back and forth here. Five runs across in the top of the eighth inning gave the Washington Nationals the lead in Queens, and then the Mets came back and scored a couple in the bottom of that eighth inning and win that game by one. Otherwise, they're getting swept by the Washington Nationals uh, at City Field, and that would have been an absolute disaster, I think, right now. Again, it's early in the season, but a gut punch, no doubt, early on when we talk about a competitive division taking care of business against the teams that you're supposed to take care of business against. But you know, bigger picture here right now for the Mets is they have got to get their situation in the rotation straightened out. They got to get Justin Verlander back. They have to figure out who is actually going to be these pieces uh, going forward. I heard Howie Rose on our channel this morning talking about Kodai Senga, and he seemed less enthused, I think, than most. And really? he said, listen, man, yeah. He's like, he's been inconsistent. He's throwing too many pitches. Can't get deep into the game. Causing the bullpen to have to throw more than you want them to. Now, he's been elevated to the top of that rotation, at least until Max Scherzer gets back, which he is just about back for uh, the New York Mets in that suspension. Um, but, you know, what we have seen and listening to how he was watching him so close, closely, the great radio voice of the New York Mets, um, they, they got a lot of questions, man. They got a lot of questions, and I think ones that they don't have answers to right now that probably is making Mets fans a little bit nervous. I'd tell Howie Rose, relax, dude. Are you kidding me? Uh, in Senga's case, it's we've seen this from from other Japanese born pitchers that that come to the United States. I mean, Hideo Nomo was no <laughs> strikeout to walk ratio uh, god. You know, he's he's suffered from walks. We saw it initially with Yu Darvish. We've seen it with uh, multiple Japanese pitchers, especially if you have a forkball. Um, so, I mean, like that's it, and he it, knew that in his defense. He said, listen, I get it. There's an adjustment period. We see it time in, uh, you know, time and time again with Japanese pitchers when they come over. But when asked for an honest assessment of how he's done, I mean, it's probably fair. Right. I mean, he's gone over five and a third just once. And the last few have been not as good for him. Uh, not to say that he can't get it turned around, but you say sure. how the first five have gone. You know, he's been a, a five inning pitcher and thrown a lot of pitches in the process. And that's probably I, fair. I, 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 I understand that, but it's yeah. still more strikeouts than innings pitched, less hits than innings pitched. And it was, yeah, 18 walks is not good, but those numbers will, will come down. Just it's historic. I mean, even uh, Daisuke, I mean, you name it, yeah. you, you name a Japanese pitcher, the first five, 10 starts. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they show signs of like, well, this guy could be really, really good. Uh, you know, but they have to stay in the strike zone. That's been the biggest knock of Japanese pitchers is they have to stay in the strike zone. They tend to move around the edges of, of the strike zone. And, and with 
you know, Major League Baseball being a little bit different than the MPB, uh, it's a much tighter zone. You know, it's more of a postage stamp than 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 maybe a, a postage card. So, you know, like I, I and again, I, I'm with you when it comes to the Mets, as far as other people needing to step up. I always think it's unfair to point the finger at somebody that's brand new to the team. Uh, but in the case of Pete Alonzo, CJ, no. Pete Alonzo came through last night in a big way and then followed by the flying squirrel in Jeff McNeil. And, you know, Alonzo's numbers, he hasn't been great in the last week, hmm. but overall 10 jacks. I mean, he's, he's been sitting in the right in the middle. He's been kind of carrying the load of an offense that should be better I mean, no one's saying anything about uh, Starling Marte getting off to a pretty poor start. No one's, you know, pointing the finger uh, at some of the other guys in the lineup that haven't been playing well. Francisco Lindor has an OPS around 700. So, I mean, I I think offensively, this should be a much better unit than they are. They're not. um, They're not hitting a ton of homers besides Pete Alonso. So, I mean, I'm, I'm fair. I'm always I'm always happy to spread blame all the way around. Um, so, and in the case of this Mets team, I, you know, you look at the record and we we're talking to, about them, like they're a couple games below 500, they're four games over yeah. they're 15 and 11, and they haven't even played their best brand of baseball. So again, like pump breaks. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But again, it's the Mets. It's a good division, even though the Phillies haven't quite got it going yet. They're sitting at an even 13 and 13, uh, four games back right now of the Braves. Uh, the Braves almost swept the Miami Marlins. They ended up losing it late. A.J. Minter had a kind of a rough one, man. He's had a couple of bad ones here uh, recently. But after they got swept by the Houston Astros, looked like the Braves were about to bounce back with a sweep of their own. But they lose that one. Uh, late. Listen, it should be a really competitive division down the stretch. By the way, those 10 home runs that you mentioned for Pete Alonso second in baseball, the 25 RBIs are third. So he's done. I don't know if you saw that one play at an issue with a pop-up uh, that he dropped. And I can't I think it might've been Candelaria who was running and then tried to turn it basically into a double or an error, getting a second base. And then Alonso threw the ball into the alpha. It was pretty sloppy, ugly uh, looking play over at first base. Um, but certainly offensively, uh, he's been a big part of what they, they need to do. He's got to be there doing it. Uh, Max Scherzer, will be back. He is scheduled once he gets off this uh, suspension to make a start against the Atlanta Braves. Pretty fun series coming up. Uh, Actually starts today. We're taping this Friday early morning or I should say early afternoon uh, on the 28th. Four-game series uh, in Atlanta, the old wraparound, Friday through Monday. But you get Max Scherzer on the back end. It's David Peterson. It's Tyler McGill. It's Jose Puto and uh, Max Scherzer. And I think when you go into a four-game series against the Atlanta Braves, Three of those names were ones that you weren't expecting. Maybe one of those other three to be into the in the rotation. I think that's probably uh, the bigger issue. Justin Verlander had a rehab start yesterday, and uh, they need him back in a really big way. But I also just wonder for them if they're satisfied uh, once Verlander gets back, and who knows what the heck's going to happen here with uh, Carlos Carrasco and Jose Quintana. I mean, you'd like to think at some point they're going um, to be back, and especially in the case of um, Quintana. But either way, I mean, you may have to um, – be prepared for the fact that they may not be there. Or they even if they can get back, they're not going to be able to be uh, the same arms in that rotation. And that to me is concerning for the Mets. We we felt like health was going to be a concern with this rotation when they put it together, just based on age and innings pitched. And you know, I hate to say, told you so, because that's not what we like to do. Um, but it, I mean, if I pull up the average age of the New York Mets rotation. I believe they're the oldest, one of the oldest in baseball. Hmm. Uh, yeah, they're the oldest in baseball. Um, you know, the average age of the average of the league is 29. 
uh, the Mets are at 32, and that's with Verlander not on the active roster. So it'll go up. So they do have the the oldest you know pitching pitching group in the in the majors, and so you're going to have you're going to have issues. I mean, like mm-hmm. let's let's call it what it is. When you start having that much uh, tread off the tires for all the years that you've pitched, there there will be some bumps and bruises along the way. Now the high end when they're when they're healthy, it's pretty awesome to know that you have Scherzer, Verlander. Quintana uh, Carrasco in a, in a rotation, but you're going to have the rub on the other side of it is that you're not young. You're not a young rotation. And that's where, uh, you know, for in this series, when you're watching the Braves and, and the Mets, there's the dichotomy. There's the difference. There's the age of the Atlanta Braves. Who's still pretty damn young mm-hmm. against the age of the Mets, which will get older. I mean, Freed Strider Morton's old as dirt. Uh, and then Bryce Elder, who's been really fun. So, I mean, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. And it is what it is in Chicago right now. You and I in the last podcast and on the show got into the Chicago White Sox and how bad of a start to the season uh, it has been for them. They are now, Spilly, 7-19. and 19. There's a 269 winning percentage. Uh, they're on an eight-game losing streak. They're eight games back of the Minnesota Twins, who are four games above 500. Fortunately, nobody else in that division has been doing much, and so maybe that gives you some optimism. But you got to play well. And the thing that came out and interesting that we heard yesterday from Rick Hahn, uh, their general manager, is that you know he stepped in and wanted to take some of the blame. Now, I don't know if I can look at Rick Hahn and necessarily blame him for what's going on with this team because it's a pretty respectable roster. Yeah, they're dealing with some injuries right now, uh, but their payroll, 13th in baseball at $191 million. They've done a really good job. You and I have talked about this over the last couple of years of putting a good roster together without going crazy and having to pay anybody you know, $35 million a year. Their highest AAV player is Lance Lynn on a contract that on average pays him $19 million a year. Everybody is under that. That's pretty significant, yet they have a $191 million payroll. To me, that's a nod to them. That's a positive. That's a good job by the front office and Rick Hahn. I can appreciate him maybe wanting to take some heat off the players right now, but I'm not sure if I really see it. I don't know if this is a Rick Hahn problem. You know, you and I talked about the leadership, and is there an issue there and what's going on inside the clubhouse? We don't know. We're always left to kind of guess to some degree. Um, I can appreciate Rick Hahn saying that, but I don't know if I necessarily agree. It's the hot seat, dude. I I've been waiting for this one. I've been wondering <laughs> which which general manager, uh, for based on starts, was going to be in a position where um, their their job might be called into question. Mm. Uh, I my money was on Heim Bloom, just based on the off season, and I think in in the years past, I mean the Jeter Downs debacle and and how fans have reacted to Heim Bloom has been pretty. <laughs> pretty obvious now you know organizations don't make decisions based on on fan sentiment but in the case of rick hahn and and over the last couple years now now i'm not going to point the finger at rick for not for hiring uh tony larusa because that wasn't his hire that was jerry Mm -hmm. reinsdorf yeah but at this point when you hear put it on me that i mean that's we got it we have we have an executive on the hot seat uh i mean like i'll give you an example there's a quote from, from Rick Hahn from April 14th. It says, am I going to let 13 days dictate our feelings on the changes we've made? Absolutely not. We are two weeks past that quote, and you're still in the same spot mm-hmm. with no signs of improvement, with some disappointing losses. Yesterday's one was was just an absolute boat racing 
uh, Tampa destroyed uh, Chicago. And, you know, you have players talking about differences in, in the clubhouse needing to adjust. That was Lance Lynn. You're missing a main piece in Tim Anderson, who's starting to recover um, from his, I believe it was a knee injury. It's not good. And then when you add on top of it, okay, like who did you guys sign? You didn't sign Jose Abreu. Abreu moved on. You went for Andrew Benatendi. Uh, You go and sign Mike Clevenger. Clevenger deals with some drama in the offseason. That ends up getting resolved, but it's still not a good look. And then you have have this just abysmal start. Hmm. This is as bad of a start they could they could ask for. And you and I, when we we spoke about this yesterday, I was willing to bust out the Sharpie to just X them off. And and again, I'm feeling confident with just the sounds of of Rick Hahn. I mean, this is like a day after. Um, It's not good. CJ, this is not good. The White Sox are seven and 19 with zero signs, zero signs. The one sign that they had in the rotation that was going well has been Dylan Cease, and he had a rough one yesterday. He watched that ERA go from sub three to above four, probably too early in the season to be looking at ERAs, and there's certainly better ways to evaluate pitchers. But he gave up seven runs. Six of those were earned uh, yesterday against the Tampa Bay Rays. He went up against Shane McClanahan, and so you know you're going to have to bring your best. It ended up being a 14-5 to loss in Chicago. So that one was certainly disheartening. Now, going back to Jose Abreu, I mean, there's there's no two ways about it, who he was in that clubhouse and what he meant to that team. I think the one saving grace is that he's not off to a great start and he's doing it in a good lineup, right? They gave him a three-year deal down in Houston uh, for just under $59 million. And when we look at Jose Abreu, we always talk about RBIs, right? I mean, that is who he has been. Uh, had a really nice run of 100-plus RBIs. You look at each of his first full six seasons, um, and, you know, he had missed a little bit of time in 18, but he'd been well over 100. He led the league a couple of times in the shortened season. He had 60 RBIs in 60 games. I mean, he was on just an unbelievable tear. Of course, that means, you know, the ability to have the guys in front of you setting the table. And it's a good team in Houston. He's driven in 11 this year. He's hitting 240. His OPS plus is 56, right? This yeah, is a guy that right now is looking at a 133 career OPS plus, meaning 33% better than league average right now he is 44 percent below league average we're not here to rail on him but at least there's one i guess kind of saving grace in there where you, you luckily he's not going off right now because if he were that would be I mean, a worse look i think for them so they made their decisions i don't even have a problem with the roster quite honestly i don't i mean i know guys aren't performing right now but if we're being honest and we're going into the season with a new manager who's got a ton of respect around the league and then you have this roster on paper. I'm saying this to me is a team that has a really good chance to win the division. They just have too many guys uh, that are not getting it done. And so I can appreciate Rick Hahn sharing his frustration. There's not a lot you can say, though. I mean, what are you going to do as a general manager when you've put together this roster? I get it, a couple of injuries, but you put together this roster and this many guys are not performing. There's, I mean, what can you? there's nothing you can do, and there's really not a lot to be said. Yes, you have to be out there. I get it. And try to take a little heel off your team. And I appreciate that. But I don't even know if there's anything Rick Hahn could say right now to the fans that's going to make them feel better. Because you want to get all angry and scream. You're 12 and yell. games below 500. Yeah, I mean. Not, I don't see it. I don't know what else could be said in this situation for them. So they continue to ride it out. It's just unfortunate that they did not get a good performance from Dylan Cease. And it's probably unfair. You're asking him uh, to carry the load right now. But, of course, they need uh, Lance Lynn and Michael Kopech uh, to be better. Uh, Lucas Giolito's just kind of been okay. Michael or uh, Mike Clevenger just been okay, like a little bit worse than league average. And so uh, they need guys to step it up. They need Luis Robert to get it going, too. I know we talked about him a little bit. Yeah. Um, this is kind of shocking how bad he has been, Billy. 
I didn't realize how bad it was. And all the comps for him when he first uh, came to the big leagues and we thought who he could be. Um, this is really discouraging. He's really, right really, really discouraging. And I mean, like I, I get like, I don't like to point fingers at contracts when players get contracts. Um, we, I have seen versions of it. I mean, all, mm-hmm. all around, you know, Aaron Hicks is another example of a guy that got a contract and production injuries, just, you know, like yeah. <laughs> bad. Um, I see it right now with Ryan McMahon in Colorado. He, you know, he signed a big contract and he's nowhere near, uh, to putting up any numbers that even like warrant a, a type of extension like that. And so, uh, beyond Robert Eloy Jimenez, uh, Juan Makata, they have not played well since they've received their extensions either. It's not, it doesn't mean that they won't. It's just when you get an extension and as a general manager or anybody, you're like, okay, sweet maybe this relaxes and they just, you know, take off. And when it goes the opposite and you're paying money for these certain players to, you know, be an important piece. And they're, they're like well below, not even league average. Like they're not even themselves. Mm-hmm. That's gotta be frustrating. And going back to Jose Abreu, just cause I know you like certain stats. It's 173 plate appearances since um, Jose Abreu's last home run. So it's been 77 games. He has one home run in the last 77 games. That's wild, man. That is uh, wild. By the way, Luis Robert's still only 25 years old. Right, that's the other part of this as well. Yeah, you gave him that six-year deal for fifty million with a couple of options on the back end. Right now, it runs through twenty twenty-five, and it's a very reasonable contract if you were going to get the production uh, that you've gotten from him. Right now, the Chicago White Sox, nobody in baseball chases more pitches outside of the strike zone uh, than the Chicago White Sox, and so that'll add to the frustration. Um, we talk about with you know pitching staffs, good losses, bad losses. When your bullpen's not going good, those losses are tough. I think offensively, when you look at an undisciplined team. It's a tough offense to watch, and that's what's happening right now. And, you know, listen, it comes with pressing to some degree for guys that aren't handling that part of it, and they see what's going on, and no doubt that they're hearing it from White Sox fans. And so, yeah, that can lend itself to uh, some lack of discipline and chasing uh, a little bit more. But uh, that's for sure an area spilling. I don't know how quickly you can turn something like that around. As all Of all the problems that they have, I mean, what kind of improvement over the next five months could we actually legitimately see from a team like the Chicago White Sox when it comes to their inability uh, to resist pitches outside of the strike zone. Yeah, you just have to start fresh. I mean, that's that's unless unless it improves internally, mm. um, I think you move on from some of the players. I mean, that's it, it could be a fire sale. You could have a fire sale in Chicago, and I'm telling you what, there will be a lot of takers for that roster because to your point, it is a roster. I think that you, I mean. Guys like Jake Diekman, Jimmy Lambert's been really, really good. I mean, these are names that, you know, bullpen arms, Gregory Santos. <laughs> I mean, like, no. seriously, like the names are good uh, across the board. Could you, could I see, um, could I see Eloy get traded? Could I see Robert get traded? Could I see Tim, Tim Anderson's probably my number one target if I'm a team. I would love $14 to have million dollar option next year. He's only making 12 and a half this year. 14 sign, next year sign me up for tim anderson if i'm if i'm a team sign yeah. me up i would love to have tim anderson as a as a shortstop on whatever team uh makes an offer you see him as a brave by the end of the year i know rc if he gets back and he's healthy he's been great dodgers dodgers you, are a good dodgers one. dodgers are the fit could be they have had an issue no doubt with shortstop and they would love to only have to pay him 
uh, $14 million next year. That'd be incredible. Lance Lynn has a team option. Liam Hendricks has a team option. Uh, we mentioned Tim Anderson. I think there's a mutual with Mike Clevenger. Uh, Joe Kelly has a team option uh, for next year. Dave Jake Diekman has a option. Elvis Andrews, hands on Alberto, or straight up free agents uh, next year. Those are the kind of names that we look at when you think about uh, controllable players. Lucas Giolito is a free agent at the end of this year, as is Ronaldo uh, Lopez. So that's their list there. One more item to get to the uh, New York Yankees visiting the Texas Rangers in Arlington. You brought up Aaron Hicks's name. I don't know if you saw that play or not, but he oh, had a, a low line drive. And I don't know if he lost in lights because he closed his eyes and he kind of botched it. And there was a pretty funny reaction from Garrett Cole, uh, just like the disappointed father look like you're watching your knucklehead kid continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. You can't help it. It's not fun um, to get caught on camera making those expressions, but there's just nowhere to hide anymore these days. It looked like there was some real frustration, but bigger news for the New York Yankees. Aaron Judge had to lead this game, Spilly, after striking out in his first two at-bats. It looked like the wrist was bothering him. Now we come to find out uh, it is the hip. Nah, I mean, at least he is saying it's not a big deal. Uh, it stems from him sliding. Did you see the slide? Yeah. Uh, in Minnesota, he was stealing third base. And I mean, just, I mean, don't forget, he's six foot eight. So he, he did not look graceful diving into third <laughs> base. What a beautiful athlete, too. I mean, he he's he's such a thrill for me to see a six foot eight center fielder and, and just what he's been capable of doing hmm. uh, both on and off the field, but don't, you know, don't fight for a uh, interview with him while he's signing autographs. Cause that could be trouble. Yeah. I, I would just say in the case of judge, uh, he was smart. I, I like it when he was self-aware saying it didn't feel right. I felt it grab. Uh, yeah. It stemmed from Monday's slide into third base uh, I woke up this morning and didn't feel great. I tried to play through it. You know, let's give it a couple of days. Um, and then a, a writer asked him of something he should be concerned about. And there was a little bit of a pause, as I would assume most athletes are going to have a little bit of a pause when you're not 100% sure, mm-hmm. just because that's a scary injury. Your hips are really, really scary, uh, especially if you're, you're, I mean, that's where you create your torque. That's where you hold your your energy when you're trying to fire off the swing and and judge's swing is very much on the backside and he kind of rotates off of it. So his, his hip is really important to him um, just as it is to any athlete. But when you're six foot eight, when you wear a C on your Yankees Jersey, when you have expectations based on contract, um, you know, like he's going to want to be out there. And I think it would be smart on his, on his end to listen to his body, uh, which most athletes don't do that. Nope, but he'll take a couple of days, it seems like. I don't think Ranger fans will be upset if he takes the rest of the series off. Tonight, by the way, it'll be Jacob deGrom going against Clark Schmidt uh, and the New York Yankees. That'll be a fun one uh, to watch. I do wonder about that lineup without him. Uh, Aaron Judge wasn't off to the best start for him. And as we mentioned, he came out of that game on Thursday after a couple of strikeouts. Anthony Rizzo's having a pretty nice year. DJ LeMay, who's starting to heat up a little bit. He hit a home run uh, on that ga- in that game on Thursday, as did Glaber Torres. Uh, hit a pretty big one. Uh, but this is a different-looking kind of lineup. It's light at the bottom, uh, for sure, in a pretty big way. When you look at uh, Peraza, Counterfalefa, Trevino, although he had a nice day yesterday with his three hits, including a home run of his own, uh, and then Hicks. Uh, it's light. And so it gets lighter now without Aaron Judge. Cabrera went in for him. Uh, Oswaldo Cabrera will likely be the right fielder here for a little while if he's out for a couple of days. Uh, this lineup, Spilly, uh, no Stanton right now and no Judge. 
it looks a lot different. You know, all of a sudden now you're identifying Anthony Rizzo as the guy that you're probably trying to avoid. And then I guess after that, being a little bit careful with DJ LeMahieu, there are not big threats in this Yankee lineup right now without Stanton and Judge. No, there's not. And uh, maybe it's a Jason Dominguez uh, sighting. Oh, I mean, Billy. That, <laughs> that kid was lighting it up in, in spring training and in the minor leagues. But I mean, maybe it's maybe it's a shot in the arm. I mean, that's uh, and look, CJ, we are at the end of the line for Aaron Hicks. It is it is time to go. It well, is need time. bodies right now, but I'm with you. I mean, I, it's it's been bad. The reaction from Garrett Cole says it all. I mean, if that's not you, you tell me Aaron Hicks didn't have words with Garrett Cole after the game. Maybe. Come on, bro. Like, you're really going to show me up like that? You know what? It depends. I don't know how you feel about this, Billy. I think about sometimes you can't help your reactions on the field. And we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. So I'm a little reluctant to even throw it out there this way. But I feel like when you know you have a teammate who's getting after it and doing everything they possibly can and is a good teammate and they struggle, I think it's easier for you to have that guy's back. Not that they're publicly saying anything. Maybe it was just a reaction in the moment for Garrett Cole because he really wanted that out and felt like it should have been an out. Um, but they may have, who knows if anything was said afterwards or if he even saw it. Uh, but I wonder that part of it as well, because it has been such a struggle. It was such an odd contract to begin with seven years and $70 million, right? That it was that long, but that light by today's standards. So you get an AAV of 10 million. He's making 10, seven this year. He's under 10 for the next two years at nine, seven, but there are three more year or two more after this one. Um, and so you're talking about, uh, about 19 million plus the rest of this year. Not a big number necessarily for the New York Yankees, but I think once everybody gets healthy, uh, Judge healthy, Stanton healthy, I think you bring up a good point. It, it may be time for them to do something different. Jason Dominguez is scuffling right now in double A, 15 games and he's hitting just 130 uh, with a couple of home runs. So it is not his time just yet, uh, Spilly, though. Aaron really Hicks fun is hitting spring. 147 with no homers, no stolen bases, and, uh, you know, bad faces from his, from his pitching staff. Yeah. No, I know. It's not good. Not good it's right not now good. at all. And the Yankees, by the way, they're playing good enough, but they are a fourth place team, which is wild just because of this way uh, this division is going. 15 and 11, six games back of the Rays looking up at the Blue Jays uh, and the Baltimore Orioles right now, who are still a second place team. We love these stories, right? The Orioles, and then, of course, also uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, who, by the way, have the most wins in the National League. All right, that's going to do it for us today. We always appreciate you listening to the Loud Outs podcast. You can check us out during the week. Loud Outs, the show, MLB Network Radio, 3 to 6 Eastern Time. Time. We always have at least a new podcast every Monday. Then we try to get a couple more out uh, throughout the week, especially when we're moved by such great stories like Shohei Otani, uh, the White Sox, the New York Mets, and then, of course, as we talked about, Aaron Judge. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great day. Serious XM Podcasts.